Welcome back to the Beyond Macros podcast. We are the Sustainable Transformation Nutrition Coaches, and our show will teach you how to make your transformation that lasts with episodes about nutrition, recovery, and the all-important art of inner work. In today's episode, I will tell you the story about how I fell in love with cooking and how the moral of this story can help you not only make meal prep easier, but improve your health in other ways. Before I go there, I want to give a shout out to listener Lindsay A.E. for leaving this review of the show. She said, I'm a newbie to the podcast, but seriously impressed. I have a personal trainer cert, but have been frustrated with nutrition myself and with potential clients. I am also a strong believer in what Matt calls working in. The info on this podcast is really amazing, research-based, and can help immediately upon application. The stretching episode was particularly helpful. So many interesting topics that I can't wait or dive into, and look forward to many more. Thanks so much for the review, Lindsay. And if you leave a review, I would love to see it. Thank you so much. All right, so as promised, here is the story about how I fell in love with cooking. I will never forget it. I was five years old and my preschool teacher had us all circle up on the floor so she could read us a story. That story was called Stone Soup. I am reciting it from a 25-year-old memory, which is only appropriate because Stone Soup is a folktale. As I remember it, an old woman has traveled for days through a difficult winter storm without a town in sight to take refuge in. As the sun was setting early one afternoon, she couldn't believe her eyes. On the horizon, she could swear she saw the flicker of lamplight. As dark set in, and she drew closer to that flicker of lamplight, the woman saw that she was finally approaching a town. Picturing a warm place by the hearth of a fire, warm food in her belly instead of the dried meat she'd been picking out of her teeth, she picked up her pace. When she arrived in the town square, she didn't see anybody outside. She couldn't find an inn for a feed or a bed. So she knocked on the door of the first house she saw and was met by a grumpy man who promptly grumbled, What do you want? Jeez, it's freezing out there. Make it quick. The woman asked if the man knew where she could find a bed or a feed. He said no and shut the door in her face. She knocked on the next door and asked the same thing, receiving roughly the same response. Assuming the negative response she was getting was because there's no town in, she decided she needed to change her strategy and ask for some food or a bed. But she was met with the same rejection door after door. She shuffled her feet dejectedly back to the town square. Feeling more than a little sorry for herself and her poor luck, she started picking up stones and throwing them at a bigger rock a few feet off when an idea struck her. An old trick her grandmother had used to get her siblings to lend a hand in the kitchen is exactly how she was going to get warm food in her belly. The old woman picked up a handful of stones and proceeded to the first house where the grumpy old man shut the door in her face. Even more irritated upon hearing the rapping on the door, the man flung open the door with an evil look on his face. But the old woman immediately changed his look to curiosity when she opened her hand with stones and said, Sir, I'm making stone soup in the town square, but I don't have a stock pot. Can you spare one? 
The man, curiosity piqued, answered affirmatively and even gave her a bit of kindling to get the fire started. The woman set up the pot in the square, filled it with water, and started knocking on more doors. Ma'am, I'm making stone soup in the square, and a bit of onion would really tie the whole thing together. Can you spare some for a share in the finished product? As she went door to door, collecting potatoes, spices, meat, and more, she assembled everything into the stockpot. Villagers were all putting on their warm clothes and assembling in the square. A roar of whispers gossiping about this mysterious stone soup washed over the town, and then the old woman held up her hand. Everyone went quiet. She said, it's ready. The villagers excitedly queued up and served themselves. Everyone's mood turned cheery on the first slurp of this delicious soup. Sharing this meal together, these isolated villagers thanked the woman and asked what the secret is so that they could replicate this beautiful soup. She answered, sharing. I loved that story so much that after preschool, I went home, grabbed three stones from my yard, and asked my mom if I could make stone soup. She helped me replicate the stone soup, and my love for cooking began right there. And I think hidden in this story are some great lessons that you can use to create a more consistent meal prep routine and to enjoy the health benefits of connecting with family and friends. One of the facets of stone soup that stands out to me is that in a town where people isolated themselves from each other, they also displayed an unwillingness to help a stranger in need and only elected to do so when there was something in it for them. And it's no secret that most humans probably spend more time staring at a screen than staring into the eyes of loved ones or greeting strangers on the street. Even in public, it's still possible to be isolated from human connection with a phone and headphones. This is concerning because there was a 2018 meta-analysis, which I will link to at beyondmacros.com 80, that showed that loneliness increases your risk for all causes of mortality. And I mention this because you can stack functions like our old traveling woman in the story of stone soup. What I mean by that is you can make healthy, nourishing meals and use it to bring people together to connect and eliminate the deadly effects of loneliness. In the past, I've done this in a few ways, but I'll point out that I do understand single people need different approaches to meal prep than couples, and families of three or more also have their own unique meal prep challenges. Single people struggle with the inefficiency of having to cook for one person and do all of the cleaning themselves other hand of the spectrum, families often struggle because the cooking burden falls on one person. Even if you're Squidward flipping eight Krabby Patties at a time, you still might not make enough food to satisfy the epic appetites of four active family members for one meal, let alone have enough for leftovers for everybody to have a convenient meal later. So what is the secret ingredient to easing your meal prep burden, whether you're single in a relationship, or part of a family. Sharing. Think about it. In the story of Stone Soup, one woman cooked enough food for an entire village when responsibilities were shared. And I bet she didn't have to wash any dishes either. Sharing responsibilities in the kitchen for couples and families is a game changer. And teaming up with your friends when you're single or paired off is the go.
If you remember the big questions episode with my fellow mentors from Journeymen, we managed to crank out enough food for 16 humans over a 10-day period in one afternoon in one kitchen. Each of us spearheaded a recipe, and each of us contributed to cleaning up. And each of us had a blast listening to music and having epic chats with each other while cooking. During the 10-day rite of passage, we set up a dishwashing station, and instead of the burden falling on one person to wash up after each meal, everyone did their share. The key value I taught all of these young men is that cooks don't clean. If they wanted to get epic meals served without a side of resentment, they should clean up after whoever cooked at their house. And any of the young men who showed interest in my camp kitchen, I nurtured that interest, and I'm sure they're cooking some epic meals for their family now without worrying about having to clean it up. So if one woman can cook one meal for an entire village in a night, as we saw in Stone Soup, and three of us could cook 480 meals in one kitchen in one afternoon, imagine what your family can do. If you're a parent and you're lucky enough to have a kid who shows interest in the kitchen, you can nurture that interest, even if you don't cook well yourself. My mom nurtured my interest, and I ended up cooking multiple family dinners per week. I also wasn't reliant upon my parents to satisfy my insane appetite during the day. My brother also had an interest in cooking, so when we were younger, we shared the cooking responsibilities all around. I never remember having too little food prepared in the fridge being a problem growing up. Despite some epic appetites at our dinner table, we always had enough for leftovers, which made lunch the following day super convenient. And if mom had book club, my brother or I could cook. If my brother or I had late sports practice, my mom could cook. My dad could cook a mean fried egg and toast, so was usually the head breakfast chef in the house. And my sister picked up cooking a little later, and it was always an absolute luxury when she decided to make her famous chicken parm. Unlike the challenges faced by families, single people face the challenges of cooking for one, like having to clean up just as many dishes as if they were cooking for a full family. And likely, there's the challenge of eating a few of those meals alone. So creating a meal prep strategy that overcomes these challenges is critical. I've had a few social meal prep rituals in the past that I think are a decent solution. So I'd love to share them with you in case any of them pique your interest and sound like they could work with your lifestyle. Both of the rituals I'm going to share tick the social box. And it also made sure that the meal prep burden for each of us individually was shared amongst the friends. The first ritual was a bit more like one person winning the meal prep lottery, while the second option was more like investing in a high-yield bond and getting consistent returns. The first ritual I'll discuss was a weekly potluck party where all of the legends from the 10 a.m. CrossFit class at my gym would get together on Tuesday evenings. Each of us would make so much food that we'd all be full from dinner, and whoever hosted would usually end up having a week's worth of leftover food. The potluck was an amazing social event that we all looked forward to each week. Even if I was working an insane amount, those Tuesday potlucks overfilled my social cup. I could be isolated for the rest of the week and it wouldn't matter. And my principle of the cook doesn't clean applied to the host at these potluck parties. 
Everyone would chip in and wash dishes before leaving, and they would make sure whoever hosted had a spotless kitchen and dining room. The second ritual was a little bit less one-sided, but it still had an equally fulfilling social component. What I used to do is I would team up with three of my friends, and we'd each cook one dish that was enough for four meals. We'd come together on Sunday at one of our houses and share dinner, eating a bit from each person's dish, and we'd also share some awesome conversation and fill our social cups. From there, each of us would take three meals home in meal prep containers, and that would make the early part of the week much, much easier. These are just two examples that worked well for me. And I'm sure if you can start to create your own social meal prep rituals with your friends and family, you will find that both your basic human needs of connecting with people and eating good food will be met. So what can you do this week to ease your meal prep burden by sharing responsibilities? And realistically, how might you team up with your friends and family to start sharing the gift of making delicious, healthy food convenient for each other? I'd love to hear what you come up with yourself. So please share it on social media and tag at Beyond Macros or email me to let me know what you come up with. And if you want help with meal planning, meal prep recipes, and learning how much to eat, of what foods, and when, I recommend going to beyondmacros.com meals to learn more about our macros and meal planning programs. We designed these programs for people who either want to take the first steps towards a sustainable transformation on their own before getting started with coaching, or for those people who can take a plan and run with it without the need for input from a coach. The macros and meal planning programs give you the exact macros you need to hit your goal, calculated by a real Beyond Macros coach as well as a personalized meal planning template that that coach will create for you that is going to show you how much to eat, of what, and when by eyeballing your portions if you don't want to have to weigh and measure your food. The programs also provide you with a bunch of meal prep recipes that are based on your goals. As a cherry on top, the programs also include resources ranging from a dumbbell accessory work program to travel resources, restaurant resources, and more. Again, you can find that at beyondmacros.com slash meals or in the show notes at beyondmacros.com slash 80. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, make sure you're subscribed to get notified when new shows are posted. Thanks so much for listening. And I look forward to seeing you again next week. Much love.